honestly don't think that the men's Peloton is the problem or the solution. Um, I think maybe the infrastructure behind the men's Peloton, the teams behind it, the sponsors, okay, they can do more to support women's cycling. But I mean, when I, you know, look at one of the men's racers, whether he be one of the best in the world or, you know, one of the worst in the world in terms of performance or results, I mean, you know, they're just like me. They just want to race their bike and eat their porridge and drink their (laughs) coffee and have a good night's sleep, you know? And that's, I mean, that's all that I expect of them to, you know, I would not want on the flip side, somebody saying that I need to do all these things to elevate men's cycling, you know, and I don't expect them Mm -hmm. to do anything extraordinary to elevate women's cycling. Well, that's it. The Tour de France is over. Both the men's and women's race have finished. And what a month it was. You were just listening to the episode I did with the ladies who rode the Tour de France fams. Katrin Harms, Christina Doble-Hickok, and Letizia Borghese. If you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it because it's not only a great insight to their thoughts on the Tour de France, but also to the movement in women's cycling at the moment. This week, I'm reporting to you from the lovely Sunshine Coast in Queensland of Australia, and I've been up here doing the Aussie Gravel Champs. Look, a cheeky break from that cold winter in Melbourne, but really a chance to pull on the summer kit, the awesome Rafa Palace Collaboration Nixon jersey. I may have not been able to ride the Tour de France, but at least I could look and feel as awesome as the men and women did over there. I love that kind of stuff. I love the Larry kit. You've heard me talk about it the last few weeks, and Rafa always deliver when it comes to the change-out kits. And well, let's be honest, Larry or not Larry, they have the kit dialed. I'm happy to have them on board as a cyclist this year, but also as a partner in life in the peloton. I sat down this week and chatted with another EF Tipco Silicon Valley Bank rider, Lizzie Banks. As the other three girls on last week's episode were busy racing the Tour de France fams, Lizzie and I sat down, talked a bit of Luft because she is currently out trying to come back from an injury and I just saw it as the perfect opportunity. She is no doubt going to be a guest on Life in the Peloton coming up. So guys, sit back and enjoy this one. It's a cracker. All right, well, let's get going here. Now, last week, we heard from Katrin, we heard from Letizia, we heard from Christo, because we're talking about the Tour de France fams, which is underway as we speak. It's only the first day, and I'm actually speaking with Lizzie Banks, who is on EF Tipco Silicon Valley Bank. Lizzie, we've only got one stage to talk about. What have you thought about the first stage? I think it it delivered what we expected, really, didn't it? And... um you know, I think we kind of all hoped that Mariana Voss would win it because it would have been a really, really fitting tribute. But at the end of the day, Lorena Vibas is the best sprinter in the world by mm. a mile. And we couldn't really we couldn't really expect anybody else to do it. But it was a really emotional moment, I think. And, um, you know, Mariana Voss won absolute class act. She had this, you know, interview just after the finish, right after the finish, and she was clearly devastated. Uh, and it must have it must have meant so much to her as well, because she fought so hard for this race. She was one of the main protagonists in, in fighting for us to have a women's Tour de France, you know, before we even got that first La Course. That was all down to, to her and a few other women. And she did this interview on the Champs-Élysées right after the finish, and she was visibly emotional, but she was just so 
She's so brilliant and stoic. And I just think she is just the most brilliant representative for women's cycling. And um, yeah, she's the greatest of all time. And people say to me, oh, she's the greatest female cyclist of all time. And I'm like, that's, that's an injustice. That's yeah. not fair to say that she's the greatest <laughs> female cyclist. She's the greatest cyclist, full stop. Like she's just, the, she's just the best. Ah, she is the best. And it was like, but she, I think she's going to come back and do something amazing in the rest of the tour as well. Like, I don't think it's all over, um, you know, and not that she's saying that, but I think she's going to be an amazing, amazing tour coming up. It was a great start, but I want to introduce you to everyone because normally what I do is is Talking Lufty is a follow-up episode to the original, you know, Life in the Peloton, but we've flipped it now and I've got you. So a quick introduction to everyone. This is a little teaser for the episode coming up. We're going to have to sit down and record an episode coming up, coming up later in the season. Um, Lizzie's been pro for five years. She started out with UHC in 2016. She's won a couple of stages of the Giro Rosa as well. Corrections Corner. Sorry, 2018. Um, that wouldn't have made sense anyway. Otherwise, you would have had to a couple of years out. And now you're riding with my old team, EF Tipco, Silicon Valley Bank, which has got the best kit out there. So, well, without further ado, let's get into the most important stuff, Talking Luft, which you don't know about. You said to me, what is this? Well, now you're going to find out about it. It's all about style. And we're going to see how much style you have. Let's start with Talking Luft 2.0, style and clothing. It's broken up into... Five topics, style and clothing, food, rituals, culture, and about you. And there's a few questions underneath. You ready? Well, Mitch, can I just caveat this with, if I had known that it was about style and clothing, I would have worn something different because about 10 minutes ago, I was down a manhole looking at a water counter because <laughs> I've just moved house. So I haven't, I haven't got the best style going right now, not going to lie. <laughs> Well, lucky it's not a video podcast. You know, as much as everyone wants this to be a video podcast, it's not. And, you know, luckily for you, because no, no one can see it. Only I can. Let's start then. Style and clothing. How do you wear your cap? Now, I'm talking about capolinos. I'm talking about caskets, the mini cycling caps. What's your style? Do you wear it forwards? Do you wear it brim down, brim up, backwards, brim up? Do you have one of those caps that was specifically made for women with the hole already made in it so you can get the ponytail through. I heard that. I haven't seen one personally, but I heard that they're around. Okay, so I think I'm probably gonna get kicked off this podcast straight away when I admit that, to be honest, I don't really wear hats or caps or caskets or whatever you wanna call them, but I am a big fan of my uh, Rafa team cap, like the, I don't know, normal cap rather than a casket. I'm just, I'm just kind of wandering around my place now looking for it because- Is that the five panel, five panel peak cap, yes, is it? Yes, that is what it is. And I absolutely love it. It's the, the, the Rafa cap with the peak um, and it has got a hole for your ponytail. So that is really important because otherwise we look, look like a bit of a, bit of an idiot really because then it's mm. just kind of sitting on top of your head. But I also am a big fan of the bucket hat which I actually, oh, I have it right here. I've got it right here in my bag. And especially now I've just moved somewhere really hot. I'm just putting it on my team bucket hat. Oh, look at that. It's great. Keeps you, keeps you cool, keeps flies off. Brilliant, what do you think? Yeah, not too bad. I didn't know, I didn't realize you, um, cause I've seen the green ones. Are you yeah. got, oh, cause you got, the girls have got the blue shorts. That's right, not the green yeah. shorts. Yeah, I know we, mm. we definitely won the style lottery this year and uh, and our bucket hats are, are blue and with the kind of nice pink and blue underneath. And I think that they're a lot nicer actually than the green ones. The green, the green ones are fine. But I think a few people ordered it and then kind of got it and said, oh, it's, it's green. <laughs> but yeah, no, these ones are really nice. It's, uh, 
bit of a call to arms to say, Rafa, you need to make some more of these blue ones because, you know, it's, it's only, they're exclusive to the members of the team. You can't actually buy these blue ones. You can only buy the green ones. And I mean, you can't even buy those, right? No, I haven't got one. And I'm only, I'm semi-retired. So they don't even send it out to the semi-retired riders. All right, let's move on. Pony, plat or free-flowing? What's your hairstyle? Bun. Bun? I was going to put bun in, but I was like, I don't think anyone does bun. Oh, what? Bun is the most aero, first of all. Uh, secondly, you know. How do you fit has- it under the helmet then? How does it go under the helmet? Oh, Mitch, you don't fit it under the helmet. You fit it between, between the base of the helmet and the clip and the ratchet clip. Right. So yeah. it's a back bun. Yeah, I mean, it's not a top of the head bun. I mean, <laughs> it's not a traditional. So I was envisioning a traditional bun, top of the head bun. I mean, think of Anna van der Breggen, right? Okay, maybe you think of her plait, but quite often she used to wear a bun. But actually, buns are the most aero. Uh, but also, my hair is is just conducive to a bun because it's just a mess the whole time, and I just stick it in a bun, right? So, if you could have raced back in the day with no helmets, what would you have style of been? Would have been headband? Would have been you know one of those sausage helmets? Would have been cap? Would have just been free flowing hair? What yeah. would your style have been? Just hang loose, just let it all loose. Yeah. Just wild, yeah, yeah. I mean, like... No headband, just to hold it back? Yeah, no headbands, just like literally just gone with the wind, you know, (laughs) absolutely like this everywhere, just taking my hair down like that, like a poodle. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, I can can explain to everyone listening, it's just, it's like a poodle. (laughs) Do you want me to put the fan on so I can... uh... (laughs) I'm I'm getting the image, yeah, exactly. All right, there's a bit more aesthetics now. Arm warmers, do you wear your arm warmers over or under your sleeves when you put them on at the start of the race? What do you do then when you pull them down in the race? Do you actually pull just your pull sleeves up, neatly tuck them back and down? No, you pull no, them just... down, but what if you pull them back up? If I have to pull them back up? Well, I usually just take them off. Like I usually, if I think I'm going to have to put them back up, I don't. And I think that's the difference between the men's and women's racing, right? Your, your races are often so much longer that you might have kind of, you know, a hard bit then the break goes and then it's a bit chilled and then so then you get cold and then you put it back on whereas ours you might be cold at the beginning because you're sitting on a start line and we're often you know forced to start at 9 a.m when you guys get to start one so yeah you start with arm warmers on and then once you take them off game on that's it so arm warmers off game on it's like gloves off that yeah. old sort of saying yeah well speaking of, speaking of gloves are you gloves or no gloves when you race well, when I no gloves when I'm training, but gloves when I race because oh. I don't. What's the difference? The well, just what about when you're training? You could go down. Yeah, but I mean, how many times have I crashed in training? Never. Touch wood. Actually, yeah, I, got I, hit, say, I got hit by you, a car. I can't believe once. I'm saying this. <laughs> I got hit by a car once on a TT bike, <laughs> um, and yeah, but I never, I've never crashed on the road bike in training. I don't think actually. Um, so I'm probably, I'm probably wrong. I'm probably just blocking out these times, but I mean, it's, it's way more unlikely, but also I live in the, well, I used to live in the UK until about five days ago. So, I mean, half the year you have to wear gloves anyway, cause it's cold, but yeah, I wear, wear gloves in racing. Cause you know, the chance of crashing is higher. I don't want to tear my hands open. Socks under or over your leg warmers? Under. Good call. Glasses over or it. under the helmet strap? Over. Race suit or Nixon jersey? Race suit. Ooh, very confident there, all in all conditions. Yeah, I mean, I'm a woman who knows what she wants, right? <laughs> Fair enough. All right, let's move on to the next topic, food. Rice oh, or yeah. pasta? Oh, well, it's difficult because if it were rice cooked by me, then it would be cooked well. 
but so, <laughs> but it depends where you are. Like if you're in a French hotel and you are, you ask for rice, oh, if you ask for rice or pasta, it's going to be terrible. But so often when you get mm. rice in a hotel, it's just absolutely disgusting. And I think that it's harder to screw up pasta than it is to screw up rice. So, mm. but I can just get, I can get so much pasta down. I remember we were doing. Um, um, Plumelec and Morbihan races in uh, in um, Brittany in 2019, and uh, Cecilia Ludwig was my teammate, and we had uh, we had breakfast, and I ordered pasta, and I just I just ate like two bowls, just got it straight down. But rice, I just can't get it down me. I just can't get the volume that I need down me. And she was so impressed. She was just staring at me like, "What? How did you eat that much?" So yeah, so pasta, well, that- always pasta. Are you a normal breakfast person or are you a pre-race breakfast person where you have like dinner for breakfast? So pasta or rice or, so you're, you're a dinner breakfast person. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, even at home, right. If I, if I have, well, whatever I have, like risotto or curry or whatever it is, I'll have it for breakfast. I don't, I don't kind of see why you should have to have cereal for breakfast or something different for breakfast i don't actually well do you do you do you flip it then do you have like pancakes and like you know cocoa pops for dinner (laughs) to be fair i do love cocoa pops you know nest quick choco balls oh they're good i love crunchy nut cornflakes actually i really real penchant but do do you do it for dinner is it um, does it work the other way to be honest we don't really have cereal in that much I mean, I, I'm lucky. I basically have an in-house chef. My husband kind of like wants to be a chef. He's an engineer, but he wants to be a chef, right? So he's always making stuff like constantly, you know, everything, all, you know, the cleaning needs doing, this needs doing, and he's just, he's just like whipping up five or six dishes. So we're never short on food and we're never short on nice food. And there's always, you know, at dinner, there's always like three or four dishes, you know, on your plate. So yeah, I don't really have to resort no. to cereal very often unless he goes away. <laughs> <laughs> are you a coffee stop woman like or not like do you when you go out training oh, do you always. like to stop for coffee yeah. yeah you do what do you get when you stop do you, you know are you a savory person are you a sweet person what's your coffee stop order um probably coke and a bag of sweets so <laughs> oh so not holding back on the sugar there <laughs> it depends like i don't actually drink coffee um, I just don't like it. Like I occasionally drink it functionally, usually in winter rides, um, you know, if I'm on a kind of long, long five hour ride or something, I might drink it functionally if I'm last training mm. in a block. Like just but, down it, like like razor blade it down. Ugh, ugh, this well, is horrible. Well, if I put milk and sugar in it and probably like five sugars, it's okay. <laughs> but oh my I, gosh. I do use it really functionally and I'm an absolute sugar machine. Like some people use fat, some people use <laughs> Clearly. sugar. I am a sugar burner. And so, yeah, to be honest, yeah, I like to stop at a cafe. Um, I guess I'd probably get, at home I'd get like a cup of tea or an Earl Grey or a Coke um, and a piece of cake. Um, but then, you know, often I'll just stop at a petrol station and get like a Coke and some sweets. <laughs> Oh my my gosh. All right. Tell me about this then. You get back from one of those big rides or just a big training block or, you know, a big race or whatever it is. And you're just like, that's it. Diet out the window. Cheat meal tonight. I deserve it. What is the cheat meal for you? Cheat meal or cheap meal? Yeah. No, cheat. Like, you know, it's all in. Cheat. Um, you know, well, okay, so we, we just moved to France five days ago, and I would have said, I just love, like, you know, a proper, <laughs> sound ridiculous, proper British curry, but the Brits will know what I mean. Um, 
And where we lived in Sheffield, there was a great place, a great South Indian that I loved to, to kind of get you know, dosa or um, there's a great um, kind of a, a, a Goan, a South Indian Goan curry or, or a Sri Lankan curry mm-hmm. that's kind of got um, coconut milk and lots of turmeric and it's really rich. It's really lovely. Usually, usually you put fish in it delicious uh so i'd probably go for that but now i'm living in france i don't think i'd be able to get that i don't think you can really Mm. i think the uk is the only place that you can really reliably get great curry outside of india (laughs) so um maybe now i'd go for well sushi's not really a cheat is it because it's actually pretty healthy um Mm. actually there's a lot of really good african places here we absolutely love ethiopian Mm. ethiopian food's delicious um, and there's some brilliant African places in Geneva, which I'm going to go and have to check out. So yeah, let's say African. Well, your husband, your husband, he could cook up a mean curry, couldn't he? Get some naan going. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He could cook up, cook up a mean curry. But you know, like sometimes you just want like a dirty curry. All right, <laughs> rituals: crosswinds or mountains? Both. Both. Yeah. Why not? If you have to choose one. Um, mountains. Huh. Training or racing? Mm, can I choose both? <laughs> um, ooh. Well, they're both really good, right? Because they offer completely different things. Because I love exploring, so that's what training's great for. And then racing's like a completely different buzz, but then I've had a really <laughs> rough two years with injuries, so I've nearly like forgotten what that's like. Um, so, mm. yeah. Well, now I'm going to have to say training, but I'm not even training right now either because I'm injured, so... Yeah, probably neither right now, but yeah. I'd say training for now. Training for now, but racing's pretty good too. All right. Best and worst roommate. Like, and this can be hard. Some guys and um, some girls couldn't get worst because they didn't want to throw them under the bus, but have a go. Uh, my new teammate, Letizia Borghese, is great. So she she's a brilliant roommate. She's just so chilled. She's really easy and she just kind of... She's great and she just... She's just so easygoing. We like the same things. But previous teammates and probably like the best roommate I've had in terms of what I want as a roommate is Sophie Wright, who rides for UAE Team ADQ. And so mm. I'm, a, I'm a bit of a night owl, right? So mm. she'll just go to sleep and I'll, I'll be like creeping around, doing my stretching, like doing whatever I've got to do, preparing everything for the next day. Because I'm one of those people that... I hate to not have the things prepared for the next day. And I also like Mm. going to bed late. So I'll prepare everything the night before so that in the morning, like I just need to pick up my bag and go because I'm not a morning person. So yeah, she's great. She just like puts her eye mask on, goes to sleep. And then she's just, she's just like a hard sleeper. Um, And then in the morning, she just was really quiet, super quiet, gets up and does her thing. And then I can just sleep in the morning. So it's great. So we're not, we don't have the same schedule, (laughs) but... It's at all yeah right at all but but it's really good and then because she's gone to sleep it makes me like okay I, I i should go to sleep because she's already asleep but then actually because she's such a hard sleeper i just carry on staying up till like midnight doing, <laughs> doing my thing <laughs> <laughs> uh, well you sort of answered this next question a little bit i didn't think you were going to say this are you a bit of an explorer trainer or do you like to know exactly where you're going and you know those people who have their like oh, that's my five hour loop that's my efforts on that climb that's my recovery loop you know they've got their five rides that they stick to religiously and they don't like to explore yeah. outside of that or are you an explorer i don't understand that i just don't get it no, i don't get it either 
I like, I honestly think those people, I mean, okay, they obviously do like riding their bike, but for somebody who likes to explore new places and get so much joy from seeing new things, I can't understand how or why you would get that same feeling from just doing the same thing over and over again. Just don't get it. Mm. Like, you know I the ones I'm talking so about, don't you? Oh yeah, I know the ones you're talking about. I just want to like go somewhere new every time. Um, but I, I need to know where I'm going. I always plan my routes um, and I've just got, got like a mental map in my head. So I've got kind of a very visual memory and I always, always like to know exactly where I am. And like, if I don't know where I am, even if I'm driving, I feel very insecure. Like I need to know where I'm going. Um, but yeah, I love exploring. I love, and that's why I'm so excited about being here. Like just moved to just outside Geneva and I've been to Geneva a couple of times, but not with the bike. And I've been to kind of quite nearby. We had the Tour de France, um, La Course, that went over Le Grand Colombier and finished in the Grand Bonin mm-hmm. in 2019. So did a few rides there. But it's just brilliant here. Like I've got this massive 1,000 meter hill mountain right behind my house. And uh, yeah, I just can't wait to go out and explore. Maybe I need to ask uh, Canada for an e-bike actually, so I can uh, so I can get exploring <laughs> whilst keeping my heart rate low. <laughs> Well, I don't know if this happens on the women's teams, but definitely in the men's team. How do you pass the salt at the dinner table? Oh, the Italians do something really weird. I just say, like, can I have the salt? <laughs> and then somebody passes it to me. But isn't there this thing where Italians have to put it down before and then somebody so, else has to pick so, it up? And- yeah, so clearly it doesn't, it doesn't happen in the, in the circles that you've been in recently, but it's, 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 it's a pretty crazy superstition they have that it, it can't be passed hand to hand. Do you have any superstitions while we're yeah, talking about yeah. it? No, I'm not a superstitious person at all. Like, don't have any, any rituals, any routines, just kind of do what I do. I mean, I like to have all my stuff well, like prepared, but that's more a fact that I'm not a morning person. And if I do it in the morning, I'll definitely forget something. <laughs> Well, let's move on to culture. Favorite writer of all time? Marianne Voss. She's the best. Nice. Yep. Favorite writer right now? Can I say Marianne Voss? Um, <laughs> some people, yeah. Some people say the same one. Yeah, I just think, you know, Lizzie Dagnan is also Marianne Voss and Lizzie Dagnan are kind of yeah my two heroes, heroines, I guess. They're just such great role models for women cycling for cycling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, great humans as well, lovely people. You know, they're also great in the bunch. You know, some people are brilliant riders, but actually in the bunch, they're like a bit of a dickhead. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Mm. Um, mm. And, 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 you know, I get it. You know, you're not the same person in the bunch that you are. You, you are on the bike off and off the bike, but um, also there's no, need, there's no need to be mean, is there? I mean, you don't need to be mean, like just be nice you know because if if you want me to let you in and it's no no stress i'll let you in but then if i want to be let in and it's no stress just 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 let me in like don't be a dick about it's not it how it works though in. is it no not how well, it works it is. is it it is and it's just worth it's just worth, i know, you know i'm agreeing like, with nice you i'm agreeing with you but it it never it never happens like that though you know it's just or like, uh, like if i can take I a know, little bit yeah, but like you'll let a teammate in and then like somebody else from another team will scream at you be like, what the beep? And you're just like, oh my God, just chill out. Like like 100 kilometers from the finish. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, on that then, best moment in a race. What's that one moment where you go, oh, I love this bit. You know, the break's gone. You get to pull out that nice bit of food you've been waiting for. You know, you pull it out. You got that moment. Or is it like coming into 1K to go, you're like, oh, yes, I've made it. 
What's the best no, moment in a race for you? The the best moment is when you've got good legs and the shit hits the fan and you're like, this is great. And it's like raining and it's super hard and you're going really hard and you think you're going to die and you look around and you're like, everybody's gone. Everybody's gone out the back. Mm. And you realize that you're in like the front five, 10 riders and you've made it. Um, and it's such a good feeling because it's so hard and you're dying, but like you're there. So if, if you're there and you're dying, then everybody else is already dead. So Worst moment in a race. Same idea. You know, um, so <laughs> I, uh, yeah, so, so I've, I've had uh, some like, complications from COVID this season, um, like an, an inflammation around my heart. And I went back to racing six weeks after COVID thinking that I was fine. And uh, in the second race back, I was dropped after 25 kilometers and I was in the oh, cars no. and I have never, I'd never ever been like dropped in a race before that. And in the first race back, I was, you know, out of the time limit. And it was just a situation that I'd never, ever been in before. I was like, wow, there's like, there, why are there other riders here? Like, I know why I'm here because I haven't trained for six weeks and I've got something wrong with me. But um, it was really weird, actually. And it was fine to deal with because I was like, well, I'm here because I've had you know, I've basically been off the bike for six weeks and I've had a really rough time with COVID. So that's why I'm here. But it was also a shock. Like, oh, mm. wait, this is, is this normal for some riders? Is this normal to be back here? That's me. That was me back there in the cars, <laughs> just sort of getting through, you know. Be happy if I got dropped after 25K. I'm like, sweet, 25K done. Great. Very so. No, yeah, you know what? Normal. Like I, I so nearly, I so nearly stopped in that race. And I carried on and I fought so hard. And then I got back to the front and then actually I could help my teammates till like 30K to go. So um, yeah, never give up. Favorite kit of all time. What's that one kit that you looked at and you went, I just love that kit. You know, it's just, they just got it. They really got it. Mm. I don't really have much of his- historical knowledge of cycling. Like, cause I started- Could be now, could, be in, could have been a kit last, yes, last week. Could have been a kit last year. Um, what about the Rafa Kenyon, Rafa Kenyon kit? That was a good kit. It was really good. And I, I have to say the first iteration of it was the best, in my opinion. Like the kind of more blocky type print with the black and the black shorts. Mm. And it was really, really nice. And it was the first kit that wasn't, you know, overtly sponsored. You know, very obviously sponsored. Mm. But actually, I have to say, I absolutely love the, the EF men's team tie-dye pink kit. I love it. Mm. I thought, I was turned so many heads when you, you know, when you first went pink. But that tie-dye kit, I just think is absolutely banging. Good call. Cobbles or gravel? Ooh, um, probably gravel, actually. Last topic about you. Headphones or no headphones when you're going out training? No headphones. This is another thing I don't really understand. Like, you know, maybe it's the same people that do the same loops, loops that use the headphones. But like I've seen people say, oh man, I've, I've lost my headphones or my headphones are broken. Like, what am I going to do on my ride? I'm like, what? Just go for a bike ride. And for me, yeah, riding my bike is it's the time that everything can just fall out of your brain. And all mm. of that stuff that builds up, it can just fall out and you have some space, but if you're just listening to something, if you're just plugged in the whole time, you can't, you can't give yourself that space, you can't have that time. Um, I mm. have my best ideas on the bike. I mean, I forget them immediately, right? Because I <laughs> don't write them down. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes when they're really good ideas, I like stop and make myself a voice note. Or like if I'm trying to write something or if I'm like, preparing for a podcast or something, then uh, and, like, I have a great idea, I'll like, stop and write it down. But that's when, you, that's when you actually have time to think because 
you know, in our modern world, we, we don't ever have time when we're not doing something or on a device or there's not something going on constantly. Mm. And so that time on the bike is the, the only real time to kind of just stop and let your brain rest. Mm. And that's when the creative juices flow. It is. It takes. I, I said this just recently on the podcast. Not that this is about me at all, but um, it wasn't recently actually. It was in the very beginning of this year that <laughs> I couldn't come to an idea of a podcast until I got back on the bike for more than three hours because I hadn't been training properly. And after I got to the three hour point, I was like, they start, like you said, the juices started flowing. Flood I'm in. like, yeah. ah, that's what it was. I needed more time. I needed more time to really let go. It wasn't after one hour or two hours because then I was already back home before it happened was three hours four hours i was like ah now i'm in that spot it just took me more time yeah you need to get Mm. to the point where you stop thinking about it you stop actively thinking about it and then then everything just comes do you read books or watch netflix when you go on races you know you're back in the room you just spoke about your your teammate going to sleep what do you do at the end you 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 got a little book there or you just crank it on a a series what's your what's your ritual there never watch netflix um i just don't know how people have time like i don't know i I just, I guess I just fill my, I somehow fill all my time with stuff. I just talk to people, I don't know, just faffing, stretching. <laughs> I don't know, I never, I know, I don't know how people have time for this shit. And like, I just find that the time just, just goes. I think probably because there's just so many people to talk to and I'm so excited to like see all these people. And, um, you know, you often have like two, two or three hours at dinner and then you have massage. Yeah, you end up so having faffing. a really long dinner. So I need... Faffing. I need to put faffing yeah. in there. Yeah, right, right. Faffing. faffing that needs to be added. All right, BWS, beer, wine, or spirits. What's your poison of choice? Definitely not spirits. Probably beer. Yeah, I'm a beer woman, and I'm also a big fan of the fact that there's a lot, like there's a really good alcohol-free range now. That like, you know, kind of four or mm. five years ago, you could get one or two alcohol-frees, and they were pretty rough. Mm. Now there's actually oh, a really good selection of of craft alcohol-free beers, and I really like it because I'm like, you know, I don't drink that much anymore and I'm a bit of a lightweight, but I do enjoy it. So it's really nice to, we had this little bottle shop where I used to live called the Walkley Beer Co. It's just basically like, it's kind of like being in someone's front room um, uh, with a couple of fridges. And it's really nice because then you can go and you can socialize and you can sit down and you, but you don't have to feel guilty about it. You don't have to kind of like feel worried that you're having a couple of beers because you just have a couple of alcohol yeah. freeze and, and they're really nice as well. So yeah, um, I mean, I like a proper beer as well, but I do like an alcohol free. Good one. I like it. I like, I like having an alcohol free on tap. You know, that's, that's been like the next step, you know, when you can yeah, just yeah. actually get one on tap. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is actually half decent. Um, CCC, cheese, oh, cake, cheese. or chocolate? Cheese. <laughs> oh, cheese. Well, I, I mean, didn't. After the, after your sugar comment, I didn't expect that at all. I was expecting I mean, a sugar coated <laughs> chocolate bar. I mean, we can go to my fridge, uh, and there's like nine different cheeses in there. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, maybe maybe less because I think I just finished some. <laughs> Um, I mean, I also did just arrive in France, right? So I was like, I have to try all these cheeses. And I've already identified the best cheese shops in the area. And there's this one uh, in just outside this town called Jex. And it's been a family cheese shop for hundreds of years. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, the cheese mm. here is absolutely phenomenal. So much choice, such great quality, not expensive. Um, I mean, I love, I love chocolate, but like proper chocolate as well. You know, like proper craft chocolate. I mean, I like any chocolate, you know, give me a bar of milk or all and I'll demolish it or dairy milk, but also 
again in Sheffield where I used to live we had this um company called Bullion Chocolate they did this this beautiful craft chocolate and uh yeah it was just so nice and I loved that I could just you know pop five minutes down the road on the bike and it was made there in Sheffield and take it home so yeah I like so what is it is it chocolate or cheese? I'm, I'm, I'm oh, feeling chocolate. the, the yeah, way yeah, shift yeah. into chocolate. It's bullion chocolate. Yeah, it's chocolate. No, but is it? No, is is your oh, what's choice the, what's chocolate the or cheese? Um, cheese. It is. All right, definitively cheese. Cheese. I mean, okay. I've got nine cheeses and one chocolate bar, so it's probably cheese. Do you have a favourite cross training exercise, or is it all cycling? Well, I'm probably now. I've just moved to France. I'm probably going to become a, a cross country skier, right? But I do like to walk. Um, I have to say, I think over the winter this year, I feel like in the past I've kind of prioritised cycling. Obviously, that sounds like a really stupid thing. Of course, I prioritise cycling. But I maybe forgot to do other things. You know, I went to the gym and stuff, but I always thought like, oh, I can't do this because I'm riding. And then this year I was like, right, I'm going to book gig gig, gig tickets. I'm going to book theatre tickets. I'm going to like make sure I do more walks. Um, because it's just psychological that you think you can't do other stuff and when you do do other stuff you feel better for it and you actually have more energy and you have more motivation Mm. to go on the bike so um, yeah we booked these gigs and these theatres and all of these things Um, and then yeah I actually haven't been on the haven't been racing because I've had an injury but there we go but um, yeah so it was kind of like a resolution that I would do more walking and stuff as well Um, and I I have done (laughs) but then I've like had an injury so I've not been able to but um yeah, I like to go to the gym and I think, yeah, more, more walking is on the menu, definitely. Well, I've got a couple of questions left now. This one is the war story. Everyone's got one. One of those days where you just go, oh, that day, you know. And I typically say in the men's in the men's peloton, it's always produced in the Giro. The Giro always just do these epic stages. You always get caught out. It's just a hell of a day or a classic day or even could just be a training day. What's one of those days that will pop into your head a war story. I want to hear about it. What is it? Um, well, actually, probably the day that I won my first Giro stage, which sounds ridiculous. Whoa, right? I haven't. Yeah, it does. I haven't heard this angle. So it was stage eight of the Giro in 2019. It was my it was my second year as a professional, but my first was in America, and and in Europe it was very different. So you know, I did like 60 race days that year, which on the women's calendar is a lot because we don't have so many stage races, right? And eight days into the Giro, absolutely savage, 40 degrees, dying. I was working my ass off for our leader. Just like, yeah, doing everything that I could. Always going back for bottles, always at the finish, always doing the last lead out, like everything. And so I was completely dead. And at the beginning mm. of this day, I said to our photographer, I was like, I don't even know if I can pedal my bike. And I'd been using caffeine, which I don't really use. And so over the 10 days, I became more and more dependent on it. And so by the Mm. eighth day, I felt like absolute hell in the morning. And then I started the race and you know, I'd been pretty good, right? You know, I'd always been at the front. I can't climb with the real climbers Mm. because I'm a bit of a heavy girl, but I'm always, always there. Um, And we started the race and I was like, just, just couldn't pedal just like couldn't pedal we were in the neutralized <laughs> section and i was getting dropped and then the race started and it was just like one line i was in the last four riders and i just thought where like, is this story what, going what the <laughs> hell am i doing here i'm gonna die i'm gonna get dropped i'm i'm just like i'm out of the giro i thought okay well maybe i'm really hot so i went back to the car for ice i went back to the car for caffeine gels i got two caffeine gels and i was just absolutely swinging i'm also a pretty slow burner right so then 
about like quite a long way into the stage, there maybe was 60K into the stage, mm. there was like a big mountain. And just as we got to the base of the mountain, like my body warmed up and I started feeling like a bit better. And I then I, I was climbing and I realized like, okay, I'm at the front now. And then I started feeling really, really good. And then there we went down and then there was this second mountain and one of my teammates had attacked and then somebody else tried to get over. So I was just sat on her wheel. And then suddenly I was in the break at the front of the race. Oh my um, gosh. So we're going up the second mountain and I'm like drilling it on the front, trying to get the break over to get a good gap because all the good climbers are behind, right? And we've got Mariana Voss behind. So she wants to win the stage because it's like, it's a sprint, it's a sprint finish at the end. Um, and we come over and we've got a couple of minutes. So, but it was like really touch and go on the climb. So then we, we get this gap and we've got two, two girls in the race. And then eventually like, <laughs> we're like 20k from the finish and our ds like if you don't start attacking and counter-attacking now i'm gonna come up there and like whatever <laughs> um and then he's like you have to have one of you at the front one of you at the back so then like we start doing it we start like trying to ping off attacks and i go and then get caught and go and get caught and then leia goes and then eventually like there've been so many attacks and it's just that moment in the race when you feel it that like everybody is absolutely on their limit and i went mm. and i got that gap and immediately I got like 20 seconds and the whole time it was 12k to the finish and the whole time it was like only 20 seconds and they could see me. Oh no. And yeah, my yeah. teammate behind covered, she must have covered like 60 attacks. She was, she was absolutely <laughs> amazing. And I made it, I made it to the finish and she got second. And it was just like the most beautiful moment because I, I, at the start of the stage, I said to people like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm going to pull I out. Yeah. Dying. Like, I'm not going to pull out. I would never give up, but I just thought like, I'm just going to get dropped today. And, uh, I mean, I was in the last four riders for like 20, 30, 40 K. And then suddenly like everything turns around and I won the stage. It's insane. I haven't, that was, that was a true war story in the beginning, but you turned it into a, I guess, opposite of war story, a happy story. Well, let's, let's get to the last question. Best thing about riding a bike. Why do you do this to yourself? Why do you get out every day on the bike? Well, not so much at the moment, but what do you miss about riding the bike? What's the best thing for you about riding a bike? Oh, just the freedom, like the freedom to just go places and just, I mean, it's such a good job, right? I mean, I can't believe it's a job. <laughs> like we get to go for mm. a bike ride and it's just so nice. It's just so nice being out there on your own, just being in the countryside, in nature, just you and the bike. And I just, I just love that freedom. It's just such a privilege and it's, it's really easy to forget, you know, in winter when you're knackered and you've got like 25 hours a week of training and just so tired, but it really is a privilege and I'm so lucky to do it. And you, you often forget this, but then you'll you'll meet people at local events and they'll say like, oh, you know, my daughter started riding because of you. And when you have those things, you, you realize how important that it is to do what you do and how many people you, you inspire to get on bikes. And it's so easy to forget that. It's so easy to get wrapped up in, wrapped up in everything that professional cycling brings with it and think that it's all about you and it's all about how good you are and your power to weight and your watts and your training and everything like that. But really, mm. like really what it's actually about is inspiring other people to go out there, get fit, get healthy and go and ride their bike and just go and have fun. And the other day I went for a ride with, uh, it was like the only ride that I can do right now with my four-year-old niece. And she was just having the best time. Like the grin on her face was, I thought her face was gonna explode because her grin was so big. Cause she was just having <laughs> so much fun. Just, you know, like, the the curb off the off the pavement that was a hill for her and she's like look lifting her legs up Whee! 
um, yeah. And I think when you see that joy of people riding bikes, it just kind of hits home to, to remind us how lucky we are to do what we do. Well, that was perfect. Thanks, Lizzie. Great, great having you on Talking Luft. I'm looking forward to our episode together. There's no way we could record two episodes today. We've got to have a little break and um, we'll, uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks for being on Talking Luft. Cheers, Mitch. Well, what did I say? Lizzie Banks, she's great. She's great value. She was fantastic on Talking Luft. I can't wait to tell you her story when I get her on Life in the Peloton very soon. Like I said, guys, I'm not going to hang around too long because I need to get down to the beach. I'm up here in Queensland loving life. I hope you've been enjoying the Tour de France. As I said, next week I've got a good episode coming for you. I'm unwrapping the intricacies of Strava, something that I am just getting involved with as a non-pro. Everyone listening is probably like, what's he talking about? Strava's been around forever. Well, I don't know. I just thought there was something in it. Something for pros, something for every everyday Joe Blows, something for the retirees like me. It's really interesting. I'm talking to different dynamics. So wait for that episode next week. I want to say thanks to Lara behind the scenes who's helped put a lot of work into the podcast. Will Jones who's piecing these episodes together for me week after week. But of course, Rafa, who's helping me bring this podcast to you every week. Guys, until next week, cheers. The music in this episode was composed by Pete Shelley. Cheers, mate.